We're ministering today on the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. How many of y'all are the uncommon man or the exceptional woman all over the house? You go, well, what makes you think you're so special? You know, why are you bragging? Well, we're bragging on not what we were, but on who we've become. Amen. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you find 2 Thessalonians, just turn west. Hallelujah. Now let's ask a question. We're always going to ask a question. And then I'll ask the question, and then I'll answer it. How about that? <laughs> Holy Ghost will, will transmit it to each one of us. But let's just imagine. Let's just think about how it really is. Sometimes these things are behind the scenes. But if Jesus... The Lord Jesus was mentoring us, was discipling us. We are the sheep of his pasture. So he would be mentoring us. Mentoring would be also the word chastening, which means to train, to teach, to instruct, to disciple. So chastening is a good thing. But if he was mentoring us, what would he be mentoring us to? Are you all born again this morning? Where are you spirit-filled today? Well, yes, we are. Praise God. So we're already done in that realm, so he's not trying to get us saved again, not trying to rededicate our lives. We stepped on it right there. Hallelujah. But he's trying to, he's ministering to us to go to excellence. Excellence. Just because you got the job, just because you painted the house doesn't mean it was excellent. We've seen that. And so would you imagine with me this morning that the Lord Jesus, being the head of the church, has set a high bar for mastery and excellence. That he's not just slopping through and say, close enough, good enough, this will work. Because he can get that in the world and he can get that in the carnal church. I would say that his goal, which would be our goal, is that we want excellence in our life. And that we want he would want mastery in our lives. That we're not trying to figure out how to do it every time. That we know how to speak to mountains. We know what to do with a lack or a need or a whatever. We know how to get money into our lives. Would y'all say that was mastery? And you're like, oh, poor me. And that we know how to get healing into our bodies. We're working on this all the time, so it's not like I have a certificate that says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm head dog here and I, I got it. We're all getting our minds renewed. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So if he, if he would set a high bar for you and me, then it would only be fair, it would only be righteous if he would give much grace to hit that high bar. It'd be wrong for him to ask us to, you know, to get underwater and stay 12 minutes. That'd be unrighteous because we, we can't do it. I can go about 14 seconds, I think, is what I do. <laughs> Not too tough in that department. But he would give us grace, his grace, in order to meet that bar, and according to Ephesians 3.20, to do abundantly above all that we could even think that we could do. To exceed the bar that he has set as he is discipling the church, mentoring the church. That's what we do every service, is we come in, and we, we go to school, as it were, and say, Lord, teach me, because last week the devil whooped up on me, and people hurt my feelings, and it wiped me out, and I, I wouldn't read my Bible for four days, and you know, all the stuff that are frail and weak in our lives, 
He said, let's fix that. Well, how's he going to do it? He's not pounding us on the head, is he? He's teaching us his word. We're equipped, well equipped with the word of God. The Lord Jesus whipped the devil by saying it is written three times. It was, it was one and done, wasn't it? He didn't come back the next day. It says he waited for a more opportune time and the devil never found one. Well, that's who you and I are. We're totally born again. We're to right now, there is no brush up or uh, help needed to go to heaven. Make Jesus Lord, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. It's done. But winning in this world, there's the devil, there's sin, there's the curse, there's flesh. Those are pretty formidable. Yeah, and, and they've, they've whooped us all our beginning life, and we remember how... We just can't do that. Well, the Lord wants to make us masters by His Word in the earth. So He's mentoring us. Now, some Christians don't want to be mentored. It's like good enough. If they ever get a glimpse of heaven saying, I got saved, it's like I want to live like the devil until I go to heaven. Sounds kind of crazy when you say it that way, but that's what they're, they're thinking. Now, here's something I came up with. I, the Lord spoke into my heart, and I wrote it down. Every man, every person is already operating at full capacity. Now, that doesn't sound right, that we're operating at full capacity. In other words, all that you are is coming out in all that you do, all that you have, all that you say. You say, well, I, there's a lot more in me than this. There's a lot more potential. A lot more potential, but we're already operating at full capacity. In other words, if you could get more money in your life, you'd be doing it. If you could get more things straightened out in your life, you would. You go, well, but I have more capacity than that. I used to be this, and I used to have that, and now it's not. Your capacity has lessened because it never stays at the same place. Are you all listening to me? It never stays. It's either going up or enlarging our capacity. We're able to speak to bigger mountains. We're, be able to, we're able to, to pray prayers that are full of faith and belief and, and confidence versus we before we might have prayed prayers like, oh, God, look at a worm on me and just see if you can do something. Well, those, those prayers are pretty useless, aren't they? No, they're absolutely useless. Hallelujah. So here's what we'll say about the uncommon man and the exceptional woman, that change is in your future. Because if you're operating at full capacity and you're not satisfied with your financial status or your ministry status or your family, your marriage, your children's status, if there's things missing, things broken, things that are incomplete, you would say, I want to do better. Giddy up. And you go, how can you do that? Well, you have to enlarge your capacity because we're already at full capacity. If you say, but I can do better financially, then you would be increasing your capacity. You're already tapped out. You're already, all you want, it's not necessarily what you need, but all you want is already working in your life. So when the Word comes, when the Word comes, when God's Word comes into you, you have a choice to accept that and say, I'm quickened by that. I'm conv convicted by that. I'm moved by that. I will change. Let's point to ourselves and say, hey you, let's change. 
Starting now. That's it right there. Change is the one thing that will never change. <laughs> You'll always have change, and that's unchangeable. So, to be clear, if you're born again this morning, heaven is guaranteed. Let's get that straight. There's no works involved in going to heaven. Once you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe God raised him from the dead, you're done. But you're still in the earth. And it's tough down here. And so to win down here, most Christians think you can't win down here. They think, well, once we die, once we go through the ultimate shame of uh, death, uh, if it's not glorious, it's, it's a shame. Well, then, then we're going to step into glory. That God's going to use that in order to get us there. Well, that's not true. Jesus said, I have come. He's talking to folks on the earth. I have come that you might have life. The life like God lives it. So here we are. We're choosing. You're choosing. You could have skipped this morning and just sat at home, or you can sleep this morning, or you can get comfortable in your little red pew and, and, uh, and, not, and not hear a word and go into heaven. You'll be, you'll be there with Billy Graham on the front row. I mean, it's just not in dispute. But whether you're going to live an optional, a, excuse me, an exceptional, an uncommon life is absolutely up to you and me. Well, God's in control. He's not in control of that. He'd have everybody in church this morning if he's in control. Now think about that. <laughs> if God was in control of your husband taking out the trash... It wouldn't be full and overflowing some Sundays, some Wednesdays, some Thursdays. You'd like, ah, God's in control. That man's going to haul this trash off. Well, maybe God's not in control. There's the trash. Hallelujah. So being exceptional, being uncommon is optional. Can you say that word with me? Optional. So I'm looking at me and saying it's up to me. It's not up to God. Oh, God's in control. God's going to just do it like he wants to do it. It's never happened. It's never happened until someone acts on the Word of God. Amen? So 1 Thessalonians, you knew I'd get there. Chapter 3, let's look in verse 9. It says here, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. He said, for what thanks can we render to God again for you? I like that. We ought to be grateful for the saints. For all the joy wherein we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day. How are we expressing our joy? Night and day, praying exceedingly, exceedingly. Night and day is already exceedingly. <laughs> I, exceedingly. And then he said, but we're praying night and day. And in that night and day, we're praying exceedingly. What are you praying? What, Paul, are you praying to the church that you love and people that God's called he said, we're praying that we might see your face and do what? And might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Let's read that part together. And perfect, might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So let's, let's put it first person. And might perfect that which is lacking in my faith. So that's what you're doing in church this morning. We're not getting our names scratched off in attendance and now we can go to sleep or leave or whatever. He's called you here to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? You're not, you, none of us know it all. I certainly do not. But I, I can take the unction, the grace of God, and w just like you, and we can, we can expand the Word of God. 
to other people. Love one another to, to uh, provoke one another to love and good works. So I looked it up in the BBE. Now, I, I look these up and I see what the whole thing is, but my notes, I don't spell nothing out. So you just have to say, what's BBE? It's the, y'all help me. The Bible in basic English. Just write it in the front of your Bible. I, that's what I should do. It says there, he said, and I, I'm looking for you to make your faith complete. Now, wait, wait, wait. These people are born again. You mean their faith is not complete? That'd be right. Little Trace, he's three years old, and he's got every muscle in his body that I have. But he's got to develop. He's got to grow up. He's got to enlarge coordination and uh, purpose and all the things that you and I supposedly do and have. Hallelujah. Some better than other. But, but he's got everything. Well, you and I as baby Christians or whatever... We have everything. But he said there, I want to make your faith complete. I want to polish it up. The Amplified says, to make good whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. The, the New Living says, I like this, to fill the gaps in your faith. When he moved me to Alabama, and I'm telling you, it was, it, it was, it was the gift of special faith. When I moved to Alabama, we, we decided one morning... And we were packing the next morning, saying goodbye to our church in a specific order. You know, we had to tell Granny Hixie last because it was telephone, telegraph, telegranny. The whole thing's off if, if she knew first. And, uh, but the gift of special faith came, and we were indissuadable. We were, and everybody was against it. I mean, like, everybody. Nobody. Our church wasn't, my parents weren't, the whole, nobody was for it including Eric Scott. Hallelujah. But we were undissuadable, indissuadable. Because that gift was working. You need to be moving. We need to be moving towards that gift that he perfects that which is concerning my faith. You have to know, there's some gaps. There's some flaws. The TEV says, and supply what is needed in your faith. The TLB, that would be the Living Bible, says, to, I like this, to fill up any cracks, little cracks, that there may be in your faith. Little cracks. You got little cracks? You do. I do. I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm pressing. Uh, the CEV, the century, says, help you to have an even stronger faith. The message says, doing what we can do to help when your faith falters. So he moved me to Alabama. The first thing he did was stick me in a faith church. And he told me, I'm sending you there to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And I, I was operating in faith. I knew about faith. But I, I was missing some stuff. And I got it fixed. I'm still getting it fixed. But I mean, I got what was major right there. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 89. The Lord wants to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. He's, he's discipling you. He's mentoring you and me. Could I have a better amen? I mean, it's good. What's good about it is we're finding out that it wasn't whacking us on the head to fix us. That's the doctrine you came from. The doctrine you came from is your troubles are, re the reason for your troubles is because God's wanting to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And you are such a dummy 
Now, an airhead that he can't just trust you to tell you what to do, he's got to whack you around. It's a damnable doctrine. Can I say that word in church? It's a damnable doctrine. It is a lie of hell. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. It's the goodness of God. He is so good. And even though you and I like to, like to fix some people that are Christians that need some fixing, and we like to get their attention with a bad or something, uh, it's the goodness of Michael that leads people to change. It's the goodness of Lynn that leads people to change. So anytime you think, I'm doing this and it's not working, it's working. You don't have to get out of your car when somebody messes up in front of you and walk up to them and shake them this and bust out their window and pull up. You don't. It doesn't work. They might be bigger than you thought they were when you walked up there. <laughs> Psalm 89, 19. I love this. I hope you have it in your Bible marked and have little uh, smiley faces on it. It says, uh, it's prophetic. It says, uh, then thou speakest in vision to the Holy One and sayest. What did he say? God said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. Let's go first person with that. He has laid help on me who is mighty. Better. He has laid help on me who is mighty. Are you mighty? Ah, you're mighty. You're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He always causes you to triumph. Always. Greater is he that is in you. Are you mighty? Yes, we are. As he is, so are we in the world. Are we saying we're wimps, and, but we're just like Jesus? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to mention it. Hallelujah. So we're mighty. So he, in the Old Testament, he had to lay it on one person. He had to say, okay, come here. We can't just scatter this stuff through the new birth. I have to lay help on you, the anointing, and, because, and I can because you have capacity. Anybody in here got some capacity? Yeah. We have some capacity. And the Lord is, uh, in Isaiah, talks about moving the tent pegs out to enlarge your capacity, enlarge your place, make it bigger. Well, that's what we're all doing. You, you hear that stretching sound? That's your faith going out to the next post. He does not leave you where you are because you and I, we don't have enough to get the job done yet. He's using us where we can according to our capacity. You go, well, Lord, I got a lot more in here than you're using. Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't want to get you out in the middle of the lake and you run out of capacity and you can't row to either side. Maybe he knows what you got to go to the other side. He knows. Yes, yes, ma'am, he knows. The, uh, the Amplified says, giving him the power to help. God gave David the power to help. Well, he's given Michael and Deborah and Wendy and Lynn and all of y'all, he's given you the power to help. He's given power to help. There's a grace on you that helps us. Now, you can be carnal and natural and regular and humanly, and you can struggle and get along and whack at it and, and do whatever you want to without his help. I can predict, I can assure you how it's going to turn out because it's nobody's ever beat the system. Steal, kill, and destroy is working against you, and it, it will catch up to you if you don't have his life. The new century says, I have given strength to a warrior. I'm strong. You may think I'm bodaciously bragging, but I'm, I'm declaring who I am. I'm declaring what I have. 
I'm declaring what I can do. And it is quite awe-inspiring. How inspiring? Exceeding abundantly above what I even think. I'm going out there as far as I can in declaring what I believe in my capacity that I have and do and am. But he says, ah, we got more than this. Aren't y'all glad he's got more? You go, well, where is it? We have to say he has laid help on him who is mighty. And the part we say is, I'm mighty. He's assigned me plans and blueprints. He's assigned me projects. He's assigned me uh, a path to go down. And it takes someone mighty to go down the path. Now, all of us can just get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. I'm glad you're there and, and help me through the day. I mean, that, there's no faith in that. But to stretch yourself out and say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Ooh, that's business, isn't it? I said that's business when you step over that. Well, he gives grace. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, slip back over there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You like this scripture, I already know you. Chapter 2, let's look in verse 2. Let's see how the kingdom works. Because I can cooperate if I know how the kingdom works. Now, if I'm dumb as a stump and don't know how it works, then I'm just feeling around in the dark trying to get something to happen. Something spark over here, well, I'm going to go do that again because that worked. Something didn't work over here, I got whacked over here. I'm not, that's trial and error. But if I just know up front, this is how it works, first time, third time, every time, then I can have a confidence that I'm going in that. And if it doesn't work out the first day or the first way, it doesn't matter, I know, and I stay in my place until it pays. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, And the things which thou heard, hast heard of me among many witnesses, he's talking to his son Timothy, the same commit. What would you commit? Those things which you have heard, learned, been mentored and discipled, the same commit thou to faithful men, that they who shall be able to teach others also. So it's not just you. It's not just me. He wants me to take some ground, win the race, so I can go tell somebody else, this is how you win the race. That's why we testify. We're testifying to somebody to say, he's been faithful to me. He's been good to me. I, it may seem little to you, but, but nobody's deal is little to them. When you hit your thumb with the hammer, that's a precious thumb right there because it's barking at you all night and all the next day unless you take care of it, isn't it? So, so thumbs are a little thing until yours is whacked. And our lives are important to God. Uh, then verse 3, this is where I'm really going. Let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Ready? Read. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. And the thing I want to minister to you this morning is that we have been made to endure hardness. But we have to do it. It's a grace. It's part of the package, the exceptional woman, the uncommon man. What makes them exceptional? What makes them uncommon? We don't just have hardness. We endure it until we outlast it. The common man, the, uh, the uh, conventional woman... They cry and carry on. Why is God doing to this? Why God's allowing this to happen? If he loved me, he wouldn't allow it. And all that stuff, just junk mess. But uh, the uncommon man says, this is nothing. This is no step for a stepper. I got this. 
There's troubles, but we got them. You know, raising children is a major job. (laughs) It will test you to the nth of what you are, because that's all you are until that test comes, and you say, I better giddy up, or this thing's going to ride over me. You know, I better get a hold of my money, or this thing's going to take me out. I better get a hold of my body, or I'm not going to be here to fight. So, we uh, endure hard things. I endure hard things. You won't make it much anywhere until you learn how to endure hard. You go, well, I just speak to it and it just disappears. Not always the first day. There's people involved. You can't mind control them and say, in the name of Jesus, I tell you, Johnny, to the deep sands of the sea and to the pit of hell. and all, you know, I, it, it probably won't work. So it might take a day or six. Your money might might be the weekend instead of on Monday. But you endure hardness while you're there. Uh, I wrote in my little book that I wrote, here's what I wrote. I said, uh, keep doing the hard thing until the hard thing becomes the easy thing. Then repeat. That's life right there, y'all. Keep doing the hard thing until the hard thing is the easy thing. And then repeat. Do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Put on mastery. Put on excellence. Put on the uncommon man. Put on the exceptional woman. Everybody can whine. Everybody can surrender. Everybody can give up. That's, there's nothing uncommon about that. That is the standard. Well, it hurts so bad, I just had to quit. Well, yeah. I don't know y'all as happy about this as I am. But since I'm happy about it, I'm just going to keep on preaching. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says this. Listen, just listen. Don't go there. To unto whomsoever much is given. Let's read that again. Unto whomsoever much is given. So there can be stuff given to you as a whomsoever, isn't that? It said, what about them? Of him shall much be required. Well... They, they didn't, we didn't read the fine print that, that what all the good stuff I've been given, that I got to do more than the guy that didn't get much given. But this is the Lord Jesus, and this is truth. Unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. There's a stewardship in the kingdom. And we're all under it. So if you know some things, now this will be, be a little irritating. Once you know a truth, God holds you to live by that truth. You'd be done as a rock, and, and we all have been, I suppose, where you didn't know. You just didn't know. You didn't know, and, and it's not that you were resisting, but you didn't know. This morning, the, the, we received, by the Word of God, we received tithes and offerings. You may not have got that just right, but if you keep coming around, you're going to finally find out that I know something. Now, you can resist it. You can buck up. You can say it's not true. It passed away. They've all done it before you. Or you can just say, that's a way through and a way out. And I'm going to go that way. Well, to whom much is given, much is required. So once you start that, once you the light comes on, the, the, the windows open, you see it, we're called 
to continue it. To walk in the light as he is in the light. But now here's the good news, is I can do that. It's not like, well, God, that's too hard. No, just walk in what you know. If you don't know it, well, then, you know, plead ignorance. But, you know, the CEV says if God has been generous with you, he will expect you to serve him well. Could I have a better amen? <laughs> if God has been generous with you, and he has, he will expect you to serve him well. But if he has been more than generous, he will expect you to serve him even better. <laughs> now, there's a loop on this contract. The more he gives you, the more he wants to have from you. But we have more to give. The word says in Corinthians that he gives seed to the sower. So if he gives me seed, he expects me to sow it. Sow it. Oh, I love this. I just love this. This is, this is what I live for is to know these things. The easy to read translation says, Whosoever has been given much will be responsible for much. Much more will be expected from the one who has given much more. So you can't lay out anymore. You can't go back. I'm tired of this. It's always more and it's always more. I'm going back. There's a grace on you for more. There's a grace on you for mastery. There's a grace on us for excellence. And to just say, well, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't even go to church. He, doesn't, he, doesn't even have, he, he says he's a Christian, but he doesn't do jack. And he's always got his race cars on the weekend and his boats on my... All these things we complain about little Christians, little, weak, and insecure, and say, I want to be like them. It's too late. To whom much is given, much is required. It's the truth. John 14, 12 says, He that believeth in me, y'all know this one, the works that I shall do, that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these... Shall he do? Because I go into my Father. <clears throat> Greater works. You go, well, how, how much do I have to do if I know more? Greater works. Well, what are those? Everything Jesus did. Everything Jesus did. I can, uh, he was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was God. No, he wasn't. I mean, he was God. He was divine. But he walked as a man. He divested himself of divinity. And live sinless, which is an example to you and me. So would you say, would, would, could we agree that Jesus always did the hard thing? This is, this is how you, Jesus always did the hard thing. He didn't have to go to the post. He didn't have to go to the cross. He didn't have to. He endured the hard thing. He went where he was expected to go, where he was graced to go. And you and I are expected to do likewise. Now, we'll never be crucified in the sense of being a Savior or anything like that. Uh, but you will be persecuted. And if you're not persecuted, you hadn't got much going. <laughs> uh. So if Jesus did the hard thing, guess what? Guess what? The uncommon man, the exceptional woman, or change him up, we are expected to do the hard thing. You go, well, not me. I didn't sign up for that. Sure you did. As soon as the light came into your window and you saw, you're expected to do and to know and to 
and to improvise that which you know. Uh, if you do hard things, what are you doing? You're investing in life. Investing in life. Say it with me. Investing in life. Hard things is investing. Now, easy things are when you endure, you survive, you just get by and see how little you have to. You... But if you do hard things, you're investing in the kingdom. Hard things is to take risks. Not survive, but to thrive. Taking risks. I'm taking risks. I wrote down that doing hard things makes you explosive. You're not ordinary. You're not like you used to be. I used to be very shy. I used to be introverted or whatever. And you can farm all day, all year, all forever and be that. It's just you and the tractor. <laughs> but you can't be if you're who God called you to be. Uh, to be, do the hard thing is to be salty. I like salty people. We, we say of them, they got spit in their eye. Salty people got spit in their eye. I don't know what it means, but I, I can tell you, salty people, they, they, got, they got some growl in them. They're, they're going to say some things that you might not even like and don't think is agreeable, but they're salty. And they'll get out there further than people that are like playing it safe. So to be salty is when you season your life with him. Everything about around you, they say, oh, there's a fragrance in here. Must be the fragrance, the aroma of the things of God. So if you're salty, I'm excuse me, if you do hard things, you are refusing the comfort zone. Now listen, we're in a culture right now. It's not the 50s where dad got up and went to work, mom worked, everybody worked, everybody got had a job, everybody did their part. We're not in that time right now. We are in the comfort zone generation. What have you done for me lately? You can't go there. It's not on your itinerary to go to the comfort zone. So it's not who you are. We have a grace. It's not harder for us to do hard things than it is for someone that doesn't have the grace to do easy things. Did you just get that? It's just as easy for you and I to do hard things as it was when we were little and could only do easy things. It tapped us out either way. But now we're tapped out doing hard things and it's powerful. So I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian this morning? Of course you are. We've got Jesus on the inside. We are, as a class of people on the planet, the wisest that's ever been. We're not dumb like the world. Wow, they're billionaires and they do this and they've invented that. Dumb as a stump, I'm telling you. They don't know anything, don't know how to come out of the rain. But the church, the carnal church, doesn't either. They don't even been known that he's been made the wisdom of God to them. Uh, uh, Christians are the wisest. We're the most powerful. Demons are afraid of me. Go ask somebody that's not born again if they're afraid of demons. Absolutely. And everything else. I'm not afraid of anything. How about you? I mean, we're saying that. It may be something jumps up and takes us back, but right now we're saying, I'm not afraid of anything. I said, you got to go there if you want to be uncommon. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of being broke. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of being criticized. You go, well, that'll hurt your feelings. 
ah, I'm not afraid of it. Because I know who I am. I know what I have, and I know what I can do. So what are you bringing? If God be for us, who can be against us? We, we just don't care. So we're the most undefeatable beings on the earth. Angels don't have it as good as us. They are created beings that have never got a body, therefore they have no authority. They are messengers, and we like them. We're not making light of them, but we're saying, you're a second-class creation. Can you say that and still keep them on your side? They know it too. Hallelujah. I do like something the world does. They're professionals, they're educated, they're, they're uh, passionate. And that's one thing they are, is the world is passionate. Most Christians, would you agree with me, are not passionate. And if you find one that is, we say, oh, dear God, he's called to the ministry. He's going to the, going to the mission. I mean, here's a hot one. Here's a live one. Here's one that's really, really got Jesus inside. He must be some special thing. That's how we've watered and dumbed down the system of kingdom of God. So when somebody gets on fire, we ought to say, well, finally, a normal one. The world has a purpose. They know where they're going, even if it's the wrong way. They know where they're going. They're going up. But Christians just seem to go sideways. Well, God's in control. He'll take care of me. That's just a lazy man's theology. Lazy. Did I say lazy? Real lazy. Hallelujah. And uh, what else did I put down? Hallelujah. Oh, they got, they got power. I had a grandmother, and she was strong-willed. Y'all ever had a strong-willed grandmother? She don't take nothing off of nobody. <laughs> and uh, I don't guess she ever operated in faith at all in her life, but she willed herself to live. She, she had cancer. She had, she had everything that could go wrong, go wrong, and she just buckled down and said, it isn't happening to me. And she, she was a salty dog. Hallelujah. That's what the world has. They, they don't have God, so they just get it on the inside and tighter in the banjo string. They get out there. So we got to have what the world has, but sanctified and, and Godward. Uncommon man, exceptional woman. Regular is everywhere. Conventional is all over. Routine is the routine. But I'm not satisfied to meet the Lord Jesus after he's endowed me with power from on high, after he's made a way where there seemed to be no way, where he's told me, my word in your mouth will do anything. To go up and meet him and say, ah, Lord, uh, you gave me five talents, but I buried all five of them. I just, I'm not willing. I'm not reaching my potential by any means. I know that. I'm ashamed of that. I'm not happy about that. The flesh is weak, but I want to. I have a fire in me to change that, and that's the main thing. you you got to want it, because until you want it, it will never come by. It will not drive down your street. you got to want it. you got to say in your private time, your secret time, your alone time, you got to say, God, I want more of you than I've been going after. And quit blaming him. Lord, send the fire. Well, I don't see any fire. Therefore, you must not have any fire. Don't. Your pants are on fire. Praise God. Now, here's, here's two of my favorite things I like to say. Number one, when's the last time 
you did anything for the first time. Point yourself with me and say to yourself, when's the last time you did anything for the first time? Now that ought to convict you. It's not based on what we've done. Because to whom much is given, given, I can do that in my sleep. I can do that left-handed. I can do it. I can do it. Well, we don't care about that. We want to know what are you doing that you've never done. What are you doing where you're in the clutch and you're sweating and you're carrying on like, how are we going to make this? How are we going to do this? God will supply. That's the first time thing. And that's why I am so potent about finances. In my, I mean, I'm not exceptional, but I am because I've just seen him fish me out so many times. I've just stood in there and just said, this is it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving my tithe to the light payment. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not compromising at all. When I was a farmer, I told you all this story a hundred times, but the bull worms were taking us over, and we went up to each corner of the farm and poured out some Olympian olive oil. Be sure and get the Olympian. <laughs> <laughs> Took the lid off of it. Y'all know it's kind of a cone shape, yeah. And poured it out and said, You said to bring the tithe into the storehouse and you will rebuke the devourer for my sake. And I brought the tithe, and here I'm calling you to the covenant. And I'm telling you, I had no bull worms and no spraying bills, which at that time was about thirty-five dollars to $45,000. That's, that's a lot of fun money if you can keep that. So when's the last time you did something for the first time? Think about it just for a moment. Don't raise your hand. We'll know. Think about it. When's the last time I stretched? When's the last time I put myself in a place of risk where if this doesn't go his way, I'm toast? Everybody's been in a place like, well, it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. That's not risk, is it? Everybody's got a plan B if God doesn't come through. And when you go to plan B, you're, you're plan A. It's a vapor. You are on plan B as soon as you think about it. The plan B is where, go ahead and prepare. That's where it's going to happen. But if you put yourself out there and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto me unto salvation. I'm not ashamed. This can't lose with the stuff I use. And just double-dog dare your flesh to squawk and carry on. I've done this a hundred times. You've done it at least that many times. And he's always been there. Now, when we were praying wrong, God, if it be your will or you're in control... You, you got to go to plan B. Plan B, it's the best thing you got. So my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is this one. It's in 1 Chronicles 11.6. I bring it all the time because this is so powerful. And David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Zariah, went up first and was chief. Ah. There's just so many ways to get excited about the kingdom. Because you go, well, where's the Jebusites? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Your life is full of, if you'll go up first, you'll be chief and captain. Does somebody spell it out and say, hey, I read in the paper. I got an article. I downloaded this thing. And it's, if you go up first, it'll be, you'll be chief and captain. None of it's that way. It's all down in here. Go up first. Do something for the first time. Let's break off another branch. Let's, let's enter into another place. 
break it off, get in there for the first time. A little risk, yeah. A little chance of persecution and criticism, absolutely. But you're an uncommon man. You're an exceptional woman. And our life is given to us to live that life. The uncommon man, the exceptional woman. Am I right? Do you sense it? Do you feel it that God's pulling on you? If he quits pulling on you, he, you've just said no so many times. And that's a really bad place to be. Where I don't feel anything. Shame on you for saying no. They say a man on his deathbed that said no to Jesus all of his life can't say yes. I don't know that, but I'm sure it is true about some. So we don't want to ever get to the place where we say no to the Lord. And then he quits making us the offer that we want. Philippians 4.13 says, I can, say it with me, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, right there it is, do hard things. I can do all hard things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, it's hard though, it's hard. I want to go the easy way. I can do all things, all hard things through Christ. He is my strengthener. The word is, is uh, indunamu, which means dunamis. It's explosive power, a strengthening that's beyond natural ability. It's not just like, okay, we'll stand here 10 more minutes. It's like we're never moving. Uh, the, Philipp the Amplified of Philippians says, I am ready. Oh, I love this, the Amplified. Listen to this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him. Look, look, who infuses inner strength unto me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm going to read that one again. I am ready for anything. Are y'all? I'm, I'm equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength unto me. Inner strength. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So I'm not common. I'm not conventional. I'm an uncommon man. You're an uncommon man, an, un an exceptional woman. That's who. He lays help on him who is mighty. Wake up. Wake up. Help's been laid. Grace has come. Way more than what your partner or your neighbor or your co-worker's doing. They go home and they're in tears. And they go home and they're, they're just war plumb out. But we do a full day's work and we like, we got this. There's grace. To whom much is given. Well, you could turn that around and say, to whom much is required, much is given. Like, so this looks like a big thing, a hard thing. There's grace to do the hard thing. <laughs> There's grace to do the hard thing. If I think about this naturally, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> I can't, I gotta go. I'm uncommon. When I bust heaven open, that would be the rapture. He's going to say, all you uncommons, get over here. And both of us are going to stand over there. An exceptional woman is a, uh, uh, Proverbs 30 talks about her. You want to know what she looks like? That's just one small facet of what she looks like. That's certainly not all she can do or all she does. But in that day and hour, that was the cultural thing to say, she is something hot on a stick. She can get her done. She, you put her on a plow and she will do the North 40. That's who you are, ladies. That's who you are. No whining, no depending on a man, no depending on the government. 
No carrying on to God, saying, well, I'm just a single mom, I'm just a single woman, and then you know it's hard, Lord, you know it's hard. He said, yeah, that's why I gave you grace, to do the hard. There is no situation that you don't have a grace to do the hard thing. The very fact that it came into your life means He's already prepared you for it. To whom much is given? Well, right there you have to say, I've been given a lot. How many of y'all believe the Word of God has given you a lot? It's given you a lot. It's like, how much? Well, Ephesians couldn't even get it out, so they just said in English, exceeding, abundantly, above all, all of heaven? No, all that I can even think or imagine. Now that is big adjectives. I don't know how God, I don't know heaven, how they could say it like, I'm in. Heaven says I'm in when they say that. Glory to God. It's good to have the victory. It's good to be on top. The head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. It's good to win in the country and in the city. It's good to have more than enough. It's good to do all things through Christ. It's good that the devil is defeated. 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 He's just so defeated. He is such a whiner. If you ever stand up to you, he will whine. Because he's not used to you. He's used to them whining. Uh, no more whining. No more whining. Say it with me. No more whining. There's victory in our mouth. Strong and of good courage is who we are. Feelings, you'll get no confirmation through your feelings. Feelings follow faith. So if you want feelings to be in front of faith, you're going to have a pretty wretched little life. But if you'll get in faith with no feelings, feelings will follow. You'll get up the next day and say, I'm looking for a devil to whoop today. <laughs> I'm taking anything on.